I'm Bob Brill. He's Eric Kramer. Welcome to Kramer and Brill, a fantasy football podcast, and now a video cast as well for the NFL. Now, you can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, LibsonRadio.com, and wherever you get your podcasts. Now we're on the Megaphone Network through the C-Suite Network. Also, you can see the video cast on YouTube by going to my Bob Brill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandBrill.com. That's the easiest way. You can see it right there on the bottom of your screen, KramerandBrill.com. During the offseason, each week we'll be taking a look at each NFL team as they prepare for the draft and the upcoming year. And we'll do that with local reporters who cover those teams to get their perspective. Uh, This week, we're joined by Zach Berman of The Athletic, who covers the Philadelphia Eagles. Zach, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'd love to have you. This this was a rather confusing year for the Eagles. They can't seem to get the quarterback situation right. They end up giving up uh, giving the job to Jalen Hurts, trending and then trading franchise quarterback Carson Wentz. Then they go out and they make some huge trades, possibly looking to bring in a quarterback in the draft. Plus, they sign Joe Flacco. Now, before we get to all that, why don't you give us a brief recap of the Eagles season? Sure. So the Eagles went into the year expecting to be contenders, right? You know, those were the moves they made last year. They acquired Darius Slay. They signed Javon Hargrave. They have a veteran team. Uh, they were coming off three postseason appearances, and, and they thought they would be legitimate contenders. Uh, but they struggled early on. There were injuries across the board. Carson Wentz, in particular, uh, just had a down year, and and they lost some, some uh, close games, and – it just the season spiraled and it got to a point where Carson Wentz was benched. Doug Peterson was fired. And it's, it's pretty stunning to think that this was a team that won the Super Bowl in 2017, made the postseason the following two years. And then the head coach is fired and the franchise quarterback is traded away. Uh, and I don't want to say they're starting from scratch now, but they are in a, they're in a rebuild. So that's, that's really the stage that they're in. And it is a complete 180 from where they were just a few years ago. Uh, Zach, you're not going to – well, here you go. I wore my Lions uh, shirt like I did last week. So my little question here is the Lions also are perceived to be in a rebuild. So who do you think between the two, the Lions and the Eagles, is going to have the bigger mountain to climb, I guess, to start the season? That's a good question, and the interesting thing is, is is both of them are doing it in comparable ways in that they're loading up on draft picks, present and future. Uh, so the in the Lions' case, they got more for Stafford, obviously, than the Eagles got for Carson Wentz. Uh, that being said, uh, the Eagles did make a trade last week, so so they have as many as three first-round picks next season, uh, depending on, on, on Carson Wentz's playing time. Really, it depends on the quarterback situation, and and I would defer to you on on that, Eric. Uh, I mean, I, I I I I'm I'm fairly confident you would know more than me there. But when it comes to is Jared Goff the answer there, or do they need to find an answer compared to the Eagles, where really it's it's a wait and see approach with Jalen Hurts this year. But what, what they're trying to do is collect assets that if they need to go out next year and get a quarterback, they'll be in position to do so. So they go out and they blow up the draft. I mean, they really did. They, they went from, what, number three to number 12. Uh, they, they, they just, you know, set the other NFL teams that are looking to buy uh, trade, trade up for quarterbacks. I mean, obviously, San Francisco looks like that's what they're going to do. And they just went out and shook this whole thing up. So what's been the reaction to that? Well, the, well, so they went from number six to number 12. And, and the key there is it, it certainly looks like quarterbacks are going to go 
one, two, three, four, potentially, right? So the Eagles were in a position where they could say they could sit at six and they could get uh, a skill player of their choosing if they want. If you think Jamar Chase is going to fall, if you think Kyle Pitts is going to fall, or they can move back from six to 12 and add a first round pick next year and, and just have that type of optionality as, as they rebuild this, 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 this roster. So they're in a position next year where they already had three picks in the first two rounds. They make this trade with Miami. So now they have four picks in the first two rounds next year. And I think from their perspective, they don't see a significant difference between number six and number 12. They'll be able to get a quality player at number 12. That being said, your odds are longer. So as far as the reaction to it, it's an understandable move for a rebuilding team to want that extra first round pick. First round picks are hard to come by. That being said, if, if Jamar Chase is the pick at number six and the Eagles traded out of that spot and he goes on to be an all pro player and the Eagles are still searching for a, a, a number one wide receiver, Maybe they, they got too cute, if you will. So uh, there are, are different opinions on it. I can certainly understand why they made it. It all comes down to what they do with the pick that they acquired and that extra first rounder. It's it, it, fascinating, really. This is kind of the first thing we've talked about where there's all this movement going on prior to the draft. Kind of brings back to me the movie Draft Day, you know, <laughs> with Kevin Costner and all the moves that were made there. And it kind, it kind of also makes me think, hey, this was just a couple, two, three years ago when the Eagles won the Super Bowl, and now they're rebuilding. And then there's teams like the Cardinals and others that have sort of, in a flash, moved up. And, um, you know, when I you had mentioned before about, you know, evaluation and quarterbacks and Carson Wentz and how maybe I would be. So during the season, one, one of the things I pointed out uh, to Bob was that how Carson Wentz seemed to have gotten away from the fundamental aspects of using his eyes and feet together and making one decision to the, in, in the progression, guy one to two to three to four, that wasn't happening. He was kind of waiting on guy one and guy one again and my guy one longer and then trying to run around and scramble, then get sacked, fumble, whatever. What, does, what do you think Jalen Hurts does or gives the Eagles that maybe uh, Carson Wentz got away from or doesn't give them or didn't give them? Sure. So, well, the sample size is smaller for Jalen Hurts. You know, he, he started four games last season. Uh, now he was a decorated college player at Alabama and Oklahoma. But Carson Wentz was was a legitimate franchise quarterback for a period of time here. He was the MVP front runner in 2017 before the injury, brought his team to the playoffs in 2019. So uh, so so really different sample sizes. In, in terms of what you're looking at, but Jalen Hurts is, is he's, he's more mobile. Now, now, now Carson Wentz is an athletic quarterback, uh, but he wasn't necessarily looking to run. Uh, Jalen Hurts, he, he was a thousand yard rusher when he at Oklahoma. So there's more you can do there in, 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 in terms of changing the offense a bit. Um, but as, as far as a passer, there's still a lot to learn about Jalen Hurts. And, and look, he was, I think he was a 52% passer this year. That completion percentage needs to come up. Uh, he got benched at Alabama in, in part because he wasn't effective passing the ball. Now, when he was at Oklahoma in the offense where Kyler Murray thrived and, and, and Baker Mayfield thrived, uh, he was an outstanding passer, at least statistically. Um, so, so there 
is some to like or a, a lot to like even with Jalen Hurts, but the Eagles aren't saying like Jalen Hurts is their guy for the next 10 years. It's very much a wait-and-see approach here. They'll give him an opportunity, but like I said, they'll, they'll have as many as three first-round picks if it comes to trading for a veteran or potentially drafting someone in a year. You look at the running back situation. You know, Miles Sanders is, is a stud, but he's had his injury problems. Jordan Howard is sort of on the backside. Boston Scott's really never really kind of proven himself to be a, a number one back. And then you throw Hertz in there who is going to carry the ball and run the ball somewhat himself. I don't know if they're looking at him as a Lamar Jackson type, but you know, you've got those four guys in there. What is the running back situation? What is the ground game uh, as far as you, you can say? Yeah. Miles Sanders is the guy. So, so he's, uh, he was their second round pick back in 2019. He's, he's been their number one running, but he was their number one running back last year, dealt with some injury situation. Uh, but he's, he's their top runner. The question is, what does this offense look like next year? They're adjusting. They have a new head coach, Nick Sirianni. Uh, he's, he's bringing in a different off, uh, offensive system. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Hurts, so it's a different quarterback situation. So as far as what the running game looks like, there's still a lot to be determined there. You know, they, I, I guess you can have a sense of what this offense will, will look like from watching Indianapolis the past few years, watching the Chargers when Sirianni was there. But he's, he's really putting a, a new system in place here. Uh, so as, as far as how they'll use Miles Sanders, there's a little bit of a wait and see. Um, you know, obviously Zach Ertz, there were some questions about him. Now he's back um, in terms of just, I guess, rounding out their offensive uh, look regarding their offensive line, tight end, receivers, running backs. Obviously, you talked about Jalen Hurts being the quarterback and Flacco backing him up. Um, is there some sort of sense where, um, you know, offensively at least, there's a sense where you know what they're going to actually start to rely on is, is what's the strongest group that they have right now offensively? It's the greatest, the best sense of building blocks. Yeah, it's a good question there because really it's an offense in transition, but, but they're going to hope to be built around their offensive line, right? Uh, that's, that's where their, their, their money's really tied up on the offensive side of the ball. And, and, and they have accomplished players, but they're over 30 and they're coming off injuries. When you look at Lane Johnson at right tackle, Brandon Brooks, a right guard, Jason Kelsey's coming back this year. He, he, he might be the best center in the NFL or certainly up there. So right there, they have three guys who are pro ball, all pro caliber players, all north of 30, but from, from right tackle, right guard center, that's a strong group. Then left guard, Isaac Samalu, he's coming off injury, but he's a solid player and left tackle. That's a big question. They had Jason Peters for the past decade plus, um, he won't be back, but you're looking at Andre Dilward, their 2019 first-round pick. And then they have Jordan Maialata, who really he's, – he's an Australian uh, who uh, – he did not start playing football really until three years ago. First time in a regular season game last year, but really showed his, his, his ability, 6'8", 346 pounds. They're very intrigued by him. So they have two interesting left tackles there. Tight end, I expect them to trade Zach Ertz here in the next month, uh, but they have Dallas Goddard as uh, uh, waiting to be the top tight end. And then wide receiver is a major question mark. They, they, tr uh, they drafted Jalen Rager first round, mixed returns there. J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, second round a few years ago, hasn't worked out. Um, so that's a position that they very much still need to address, and I would anticipate the draft being the time for them to do so. Uh, they, they play in the weirdest division, I think, in the NFL. 
uh, the team can make the playoffs under 500, you know, but uh, the defense, I, I think, you know, the Eagles have always been known for a strong defense and I kind of want to look at that and see where they stand at the, at this point, especially playing in the division they're playing in uh, and the fact that, you know, they may not have to win that many games to be successful. Yeah, so it, uh, the the defense, too, is one that's in flux. And Eric can, can tell you this. Jim Schwartz was the defensive coordinator there for the past uh, five years. And you had a, a, an, a, a strong identity with Jim Schwartz, good or bad, right? Like your defensive line was going to attack. They were not a read-and-react defense. Um, really, until they uh, acquired Darius Slay last year, they were not a man-heavy defense either. Um, and – and so the, they're going from that Jim Schwartz style defense uh, to a different scheme. Jonathan Gannon's the new defensive coordinator. He's coming from Indianapolis. He has a background with Mike Zimmer. I would expect a, a lot of what you see in Minnesota to be what the Eagles apply. So there's a, a, a scheme adjustment when you look at, at what Jim Schwartz has run to what they're doing. But the strength of this defense needs to be the defensive line. Fletcher Cox is a $100 million defense tackle. Uh, Derek Barnett, Brandon Graham, who's coming off his first Pro Bowl season. Uh, Josh Sweats, their third defensive end. They paid Javon Hargrave money last year to be a, a top defense tackle for them. So their, their best group clearly is their defensive line. Their, their linebackers are a problem. Um, that's, that's an organizational thing. They don't want to spend money there. And then in the secondary – they signed Anthony Harris away from Minnesota last week, and, and he's a good player there. But Darius Slay is the guy who, who they need him to be an all-pro caliber player. They made that trade last year. They paid him big money. Uh, he was good but not great in his first year, and I'm, I'm curious to see what he looks like this year if they play more zone, if they play more too high with the safety. So it'll be a different look than what they've had in the past. You know, you mentioned that, if you look offensively, their their offensive line might be their or should be their biggest asset as a group. But then you also mentioned that the question marks they have at left tackle. Um, and then all of a sudden, obviously, with Darius Slay needs to pick up his level. Could you see them moving in the direction at number six towards one of the more elite offensive tackles or one of the more elite, bigger type defensive quarterbacks um, like uh, Caleb out of uh, Virginia Tech? Sure. Yeah. So uh, that's a, that's really the way I'm saying more the latter with a cornerback from, from going from six to 12, they're in a position where the, where they can get um, one of those top cornerbacks, whether you're looking at, at Farley, Patrick Sertain Jr., uh, JC Horn from South Carolina, that's the range for those guys. I, I would never roll out an offensive tackle uh, as, as long as this regime, you know, Howie Roseman's the GM here because he, he wants to build along the lines. He came up under Andy Reed and, and that's that Andy Reed philosophy. Uh, that being said, they've, they've invested draft picks and they have resources, uh, in that offensive line as it is. So un unless it's like a can't miss player who falls, my guess is that's more, uh, a corner potentially even a pass rusher because they are getting a little old there. They have guys on expiring deals. Uh, so I would look there and then you can never rule out wide receiver just because it's a big hole, but those would be the three spots I would look for more than offensive line, but considering the offensive philosophy here or the team building philosophy, I should say offensive lines never out of the picture. Well, you know, um, there are still some uh, decent corners out there 
uh, free agents. I mean, the, the Steelers just cut Steve Nelson last week. Uh, he, he's, he's a solid corner. Or you think they might um, look to the free agency market uh, to pick up a, a corner? It doesn't look like they may get somebody who would be ready to step in and, uh, from the draft. I think they would love to, but I think that that corner will need to be willing to play for cheap or I guess relatively cheap because they're, they're really tight on cap space right now. Um, they knew that going in, right? Like, like they took a $33 million cap hit in trading Carson Wentz. Uh, so a good chunk of their cap space this year is going to a quarterback who's not on the roster. Uh, they, they pushed money down the line for some of these veteran guys past few years and and the check comes due at some point uh so they're in a point with the cap and 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 they know it where they're taking it on the chin this year they don't have a lot of money to spend they've they've signed three players so far all of them were to one-year deals whether even anthony harris he was franchise tagged last year with the vikings signed for what you would consider a, a relatively below market deal with the eagles joe flacco uh, signed backup quarterback money with Eagles. So they're, they don't have much money to spend. They still have major holes, and they would love if they could add a corner. Uh, that, that corner will probably need to be willing to, pet, to play for the veteran minimum this year. Yeah, it seems like, as you were mentioning when we be- began, was how they're stockpiling draft picks, and maybe that's the way. It's not free agency, but it's like maybe two, three-year span where during the, through the draft, that's how they're going to get players, I guess, relatively on the cheap. And then you've got a you know, longer-term contract with them, four or five years, to for have them uh, step up and have things start to work out. Yeah, that's that's their plan right now. But they need to draft better than they have the past few years, right? It, 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 it works when you're hitting on the pick. But they took Jalen Rager 21 last year. Um, they, they, they took uh, Andre Dillard in the first round 2019. The book isn't written on either of these players but they need more returns than what they've gotten so far. And you even look at their second round picks, their mid round picks. Uh, if you draft well, it's a great philosophy, right? Because, because then like you mentioned, you have cost controlled players who are ascending. If you don't draft well, you're probably, you're probably going to be drafting high every year. No, I spent about a year and a half across the river uh, from Philadelphia and uh, got a chance to really soak up that fan base. Uh, what's been the reaction of the fan base uh, to wheeling and dealing and, uh, the things that the Eagles are trying to do. Well, the fan base, as as you can imagine, is 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 not happy when they come off a four win season. Uh, that being said, they won a Super Bowl in 2017, so there there's there's still uh you know there, there's I think the statute of limitations has expired a bit there. You know, it's it's like fans have have forgotten that a bit, but that's that's the nature of the NFL, and uh, I, I I think fans understand that this is a team in transition. But they they want better results in the draft, and you know you 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 need to hit on those picks, and that's really been the biggest problem for the Eagles in recent years. It's just missing on draft picks. Well, Zach Berman covers Eagles for the Athletic. Uh, my friend Eric Kramer and colleague had a good time uh, talking about the Eagles and this upcoming NFL season. Each week we visit a different NFL team and talk with local experts, reporters about that team and the draft and its future for the upcoming NFL season. New team each week, so be sure to join us again next week. There you have it, Kramer and Drill, a fantasy football podcast, now a videocast as well. You can hear the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, LibsomeRadio.com, wherever you get your podcasts. Now you can also see the videocast on YouTube by going to my Bob Drill YouTube channel or by finding the links for all of this at KramerandDrill.com. That's the easiest way right there on the bottom of your screen, KramerandDrill.com. 
uh, for Zach Berman, for Eric Kramer. I'm Bob Brill. We'll see you next time.